Welcome to Adding Fuel to the Hire, a podcast for hiring managers and job seekers across all types of dealerships. With over 20 years collective recruitment experience, Rowan, Tony and Phil draw upon their knowledge to help you navigate through the recruitment and job hunt process. For more information, head to our website, addingfueltothehire.com. Hello and welcome to episode two of Adding Fuel to the Hire. My name is Rowan Coe and with me today is Tony Flynn. Hello, Tony. Hello, Rowan. Today we're here to talk to you about recruiting in this industry. Uh, If you missed our first episode where we introduced ourselves uh, and had Phil in for the chat as well, uh, we are specialists in recruiting into dealerships. Uh, This podcast is about hiring and getting jobs uh, within the dealership industry. Uh, So we hope to be able to enlighten you with some uh, stories and some tips and tricks along the way. So today uh, we're just going to talk about the industry in general and, and why we like recruiting into it and why we do it. Uh, so, uh, and, and the specific challenges, I suppose, is to uh, us, you know, every business has the same recruitment challenges as a whole, but I think the dealership sector specifically has its own, uh, idiosyncrasies too. Oh yeah. It's, it's definitely quirky, but that's kind of why we love it, isn't it? That's it. I think, uh, the, the word I always use to describe it, and I think it's appreciated by both clients and candidates a lot of time is incestuous. Yes. Everyone does know everybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you got trade shows all over the place and field days and, and, uh, you know, they all sort of mix together. So everybody knows everybody, uh, but at the same time when they're looking for staff, you know, it, it can be difficult to get in touch with some of those people. So it's, it's, a, it's a tricky industry mm. to navigate. So hopefully we can give you some tips there around that. So uh, I guess one of the things that, you know, people say to me, uh, you know, in recruiting this industry is, you know, when, when I go to a hairdresser or something and get a haircut, <laughs> they say, you know, oh, what, what do you do? Um Tony, what do you say when you uh, when somebody asks you what do you do? Uh, usually, I tell them I uh, own a recruitment business, um, and you know, naturally that leads to to uh, oh, what what industry do you recruit into? And I tell them oh, it's it's dealerships, and they look at me and they like car dealerships, and I, oh, yeah, sort of, but you know, like car dealerships, but trucks, earth moving, or, or agricultural machinery. And then you just get met with a very blank look on their face, and usually then it's followed up with a question. There's enough work in that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've definitely heard that many times, many times. Uh, and I was actually just in Scotland uh, on my honeymoon recently and did a, a walking tour of Edinburgh with a comedian, um, <laughs> which was awesome. If you go, highly recommend it. Um, but he went around, the, went around the room asking everybody what they did. And, you know, there was a doctor and a nurse and all that sort of stuff there. And then they came to me and I just froze on the spot <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I, I because I, I always say the same thing, you know, like, yeah, I do recruitment. Yeah. Same path you go down. But this time I was trying to be different. So I say, oh, I, I just, I, I recruit. And then he's asking questions. He's like, oh, what, what do you mean? What do you recruit? And I say, oh, I just, you know, I recruit for me because I said it was my business. But yeah. he's like, oh, so you recruit for So then I, I just made it simple. I'm like, I find tractor mechanics. <laughs> and he's like, oh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So I think that's my new one. I'm going to say something along those lines. Because he's like, well, what, what's your favourite tractor? And then we were talking about, you know, the Fent tractor and Massey Ferguson. And, oh, it was good. It was a good chat. It was a good chat. <laughs> but uh, I guess, uh, you know, there is a lot to love. And, and, you know, obviously we do this and we do it every day and sometimes some pretty long hours. So, you know, what is it about recruiting in this industry that we love, I guess? What? what Tony, tell us, uh, give us something that you, I guess you can think of. I think for me, and it's probably because I haven't had as many years experience specifically in these industries, um, but 
for me at the moment, it's a lot about the the learning about the brands um, and just all the little intricate differences between each one of them. Um, you know, every day I learn something new about something. Um, but also I think the technology changes particularly yeah. is, is really interesting, um, particularly in the ag and, and truck space. Um, just fascinates me a lot and I'm often find myself trawling through news articles trying to just keep up with it all but yeah that's definitely the number one thing I think for me at the moment yeah there's so many bits and pieces to it that there's just a lot to lot to research there and get swept up in but uh, I guess for me one of the things I love is is the thrill of the chase the thrill of finding that uh, you know mm-hmm. that perfect candidate because you know that sometimes clients come to us they've been looking for months they haven't been able to find somebody and and uh, you know I want to be able to deliver so we work pretty hard on trying to find those people and, uh, you know, just going going out there and trying all the different uh, methods and, and uh, all the avenues we've got. It, it's, I don't know, it's just exciting. I think, yeah, that's the addiction part of it, I reckon, where it, because it is so incestuous, um, a lot of the time, you know, where we have successes where people are nervous to put themselves out there because they don't want it getting back to their employer. And so you can pick up a role where someone's been trying for months and, you know, there's just no one out there, there's no one out there. And you get the brief in and you know exactly who they're describing. You know, you've yeah. spoken to them for years or months on the database and and you just know. Um, and then to be able to pull that off, I think, is the, the most exciting part because you know that, well, you know, you, you've done your job well, but you've also been able to to find someone that people weren't able to just purely through a connection um, because of the incestuous nature of the industries. Yeah, and our database is... 11 years old or something and we've got candidates on there who have been on there that whole time and I love it when you get a phone call from a client and they're they're explaining the type of candidate that they're looking for and immediately somebody from, well, for me, four or five years ago that I've spoke to a few times, who I know and know know, intimately and and understand their experience, um, you know, getting them, uh, coming them, having them come to mind Mm. and being able to say to the client, well, actually I've got got the perfect candidate in mind. It's... uh, yeah, that's I like that. That's rewarding. Uh, I, it's a dangerous game to play where you tell the client <laughs> that you've got someone in mind, but I don't think there's anything more rewarding no, than right. saying it because you are at that point getting a little bit cocky. Yeah, want of a better word, but yeah. then to be able to pull that off oh, yeah. and to get that person over the line, it's it's probably the most satisfying part for sure. Um, yeah, but I think the other part, um, and I mentioned in episode one, my previous experience recruiting into uh, agri businesses throughout Australia, is the regional element of our role. Um, Obviously, a lot of dealers in regional areas struggle more than metro areas, you know, harder level, you know, harder. It's much harder to find candidates in those areas, you know, less people to choose from, that kind of thing. Relocating is always difficult, you know, many factors. Um, So learning about those regional towns, traveling out to them, visiting clients, candidates, um, you know, the characters and everyone's just very different in each town. Yeah, that's right. Um. I think a really classic example that stands out to me, um, which probably summarises regional Australia really well, is I think it's uh, Moree and, and Gundy. Uh, for whatever reason, we, you go to Moree and they don't like them, the people from Gundy and you go to Gundy <laughs> and they don't like the people from Moree and um, no, no one can really put a, a finger on as to why and, and uh, it's obviously not actually there. It's more just a joke thing that's always gone through those towns but it's just a really like funny quirk, yeah, I suppose, that we yeah. see across all of Australia, which I, I really admire. I think it's quite fun. Yeah, definitely. Um, that regional element of it all. Yeah. And, and, you know, the last couple of years we've, we've made a big effort of, of getting out there and seeing a lot of our clients. And, um, I was looking at my map of Australia yesterday where I mark off all the, 
yeah. the towns that I've been to and there's there's quite a lot there. We've seen 200 can, uh, clients uh, along the way and, you know, seeing some of those really small towns and uh, like Lake Grace in WA. Which weirdly has a Tesla charging station. It does. It does. <laughs> um, you know, just seeing small towns like that where there's just not a lot there. It's, it, but you go in there and the people are just so nice and, ah, uh, yeah, it's great. And then being able to then sell that to a candidate and say, hey, well, you know, have you ever thought of uh, moving regionally because, mm. you know, there's so many great places in Australia where you can live um, that offer, you know, great schooling or, or great community, sporting, you know, there's just so much to uh, to love about regional Australia. So it's, it, it's exciting when we find that. Yeah, and especially I think with our industries, they do actually play a really key part to those towns. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, farm machinery is an obvious one. That's, you know, food and fibre. Um, but the trucks, even car dealerships, that kind of thing, they all are very integral to the success of those towns um, and almost become a centre hub for people in terms of communicating because, you know, businesses are dealing with businesses and people are purchasing vehicles and that kind of thing. And so, yeah, it's really tied in nicely, I think, with the whole community feel of each town. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, but I guess let's talk about some of the challenges because, you know, uh, if there weren't challenges, we wouldn't be in business really, would we? So, mm. um, you know, it's, uh, recruiting into dealerships is is tricky. Uh, and let's, I guess, let's talk about some of uh, some of those challenges. I think the biggest one that I see is... The four words. <laughs> yeah, must have dealership experience. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, it's, it's we understand. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a very niche uh, role and you want somebody to hit the ground running day one who doesn't need training or already knows the product or knows a similar product that can sell it. Uh, but there is a wealth of experience and great candidates just outside of that dealership experience that, uh, you know, uh, could be good, could be good options, you know, in related industries. So I think that's a, that's one of the challenges is that dealerships are very focused on wanting people who already have that dealership mm. experience. But uh, sometimes you can, um, you know, broaden that uh, scope a little bit and, and find some great people. Yeah, a really simple, obvious uh, answer to that uh, or example of that is hire equipment. Um, you know, often working with the same franchises, uh, all, all, you know, obviously a different line of work. They're not doing warranties, that kind of thing. But, um, you know, they know their way around your product basically. Um, so just broadening your mind, thinking outside the box a little bit. Um, but, yeah, that's definitely the, we always say the, the four words and <laughs> it's uh, definitely the biggest challenge by, by a long shot. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I guess we've already touched on uh, regional locations and that is a challenge, you know, getting people, you know, if you're a small dealer in a, a rural town, there's only so many people locally uh, that you could look at for the job. Mm. Uh, you know, you're either looking at your own employees or, or employees of your competitors and it's difficult to find people. So often you're looking for people to move to the town and, and there's challenges in that in, in, in well, one, getting your ad or, or job in front of those people so they can see it uh, and then selling them the town and, and ultimately getting them to move there. So there's there's yeah. a lot of challenges in regional Australia, but, uh, you know, we we, uh, we pride ourselves on, on our, um, you know, our education for regional yeah. cities and, you know, what, what's on offer. And, yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, it's something that it can be overcome, but obviously it's still an ongoing challenge because not everybody wants to live in the country. No, and we'll, we'll go into it more detail in another episode, but that regional challenge of what are you going to offer someone to convince them to relocate? Because a lot of the times um, employers will want to just offer what they're offering the current people that are working there, which are all local. That's fine. 
but they are local. So what are you going to do to you know dangle that carrot in front of someone that's going to relocate? Because it's obviously a big a lifestyle move and a lot of factors that go into it, schooling, hospitals, that kind of thing. So um, yeah, that, that's a big challenge. We'll go over that, I'm sure, in a lot of detail uh, in, a, in later episodes, but it's definitely um, yeah a major challenge for us and, and any employer, I think, out there, whether it's dealerships or not. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I guess another uh, a challenge that I see is, is uh, preconceived reputations, whether it's real or not. Goes back uh, to the uh, incestuous nature exactly. once again. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, one candidate has a bad, one employee has a bad experience and all of a sudden that dealership is the, uh, you know, the worst place to work and yeah. all those sort of things. So, Which is probably exemplified more or um, magnified more in a regional town as well. Um, you know, oh, exactly. the local chatter at the pub yeah. after work if yeah. one person has a bad experience. Yes. Yeah, you're fighting an uphill battle. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, conversely, if it's if you've got a really good reputation but maybe it's not quite deserved, maybe it's oversold, <laughs> uh, you know, that could be bad when a, a great candidate joins and, and they've, you know, been led to believe something that maybe isn't true. But, you know, the, it's just all about that uh, incestuous nature of the industry, meaning that, you know, there's all these uh, preconceived mm. ideas about, you know, what the reputation of that business is and that can be hard to overcome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, salary. This is another one that's a, that's a bit of a, an issue for the industry, you know. Uh, not all positions pay as well as maybe they should. Um, I think parts is a great example of, of a department that's been sort of let left behind uh, in terms of their earning capacity and, and hourly rates and things like that. It, it makes it hard to attract people to the industry when some of those rates are quite low. Exactly. And I think the parts department as a whole is probably the best example because um, going back a couple of years, I think the parts was always seen as a means to an end. It had to exist, but it didn't really make many dealerships money. Um, it was just there as a means to an end. Um, whereas a lot of dealerships now are starting to see that the parts department can be, you know, a successful department in itself. It can bring in a lot of and generate a lot of revenue for the business. Um, so with that, you know, companies are now investing more into the parts department, increasing salaries, um, you know, increasing tr- product training, that kind of thing. So I think the divide between the good companies and the bad employers, um, well, you know, the good employers and the bad employers within the parts department is probably getting further apart um, than any other uh, department. Um, and so obviously pay rates and that kind of thing is, is really, you know, we've got some dealers in the same town will pay, say, 50K for the same role that their opposition will pay 65 for, yeah. um, you know, literally 500 metres up the road. Yes. So yeah. that is a really good example um, of just, yeah, salaries and the challenges they can have, particularly in, in small areas, but it's a, a national, you know, every major city has the same issue as well. Yeah, and you've also got the issue with technicians and versus the mines and, and other industries Dealerships can't afford to pay great rates like mining companies or, or things like that because their charge-out rates aren't – their clients won't pay that. And then yeah. you've got the contractors halfway in between that are, you know, charging out at $40, $50 an hour versus the $100, $120 that the dealer's charging out. It's a – it's a yeah, it's, it's a tough game to try and find a rate that satisfies both the employee uh, and and makes the business money because ultimately they need to be able to do that to to continue. Yeah, and, and we'll talk in one episode, I'm sure, about market rates and and where they're at. But it probably goes back to a point we made in the introduction episode, episode one, um, where a lot of businesses haven't changed that mentality from you know 
they need me more than I need them. And so rates are, are much lower. Well, you know, if they don't want to work for that rate, I'll find someone else. Well, that's no longer the starting point. The starting point needs to be what is the market salary? What are my competitors paying? And making sure that you're at least, you know, in, in market range yeah, definitely. Um, as an absolute starting point. Because they've got a, there's got to be a reason why they want to move. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, they've they've got to have a better position or better perks or something there to to get them over. So exactly. So yeah, and, and look, it, it's you know we've said it before. It's a limited pool of candidates in this industry, so it's hard to find those people. So that is a challenge. Um, but the people are out there. Um, they're they're the good ones are employed. They're happy. Um, they're not actively seeking work, but they are there. They're they're open to new challenges, so they're there if you know how to find them. Exactly. And, and yeah, well, I just want to add anything more of that. It's perfect. And <laughs> I think and move on to the next point. And, and I guess one of the, the ways that, you know, you could get into some uh, untapped resources of talent is through a recruiter, a specialist recruiter. Um, so I guess let's talk about maybe some of the reasons why you might want to use a recruiter and, and when would be a good time to do that. Uh, so... When is a good time to use a recruiter, uh, Tony, throughout the process, do you think? Well, I think we want to preface this with, you know, this is not a, a sell, you know, to come, come use Team Recruit. This is just very generally speaking, you know, the pros and cons of using a recruiter and, and when they can actually add genuine value because I know in our business it's not like a lot of recruitment businesses where um, we don't want to just take on the easy, quick roles because um, ultimately, you know, you, you're going to make a short amount of money quickly, but you know, or a lot amount of money quickly but sh- uh, in a short period of time. But the long game, we want to make sure we're adding value to people and that's what this, you know, conversation wants to be about. So ultimately, number one, you want to make sure you've exhausted all your options. You know, you want to have ran your own campaigns, um, you know, it, it, time permitting, obviously. Um, but yeah, re- really explore your options first and make sure that you've, um, you know, you've tried everything you can before you even consider that option. Especially your internal staff as well because yeah. there might be somebody there that you could consider for a role. Um, so before you engage a recruiter, assess what you've got within your own house and see, is there somebody here that could do the job or, or who, who would be interested in maybe mm. taking a step up into a position like that? Because, exactly. you know, the, those people already know your brand. Um, they already work for you. They know what you like to work for. So They've got the dealership experience. <laughs> that's right. Um, so, you know, there's a good opportunity there to, to uh, yeah, bring bring people up through the organisation. Yeah. Um I guess another another time that might be good if, if you are time poor uh, and you don't have, you know, you can't afford to wait and advertise uh, and see what comes back off the ads, you know, recruiters, specialist recruiters in the industry, they may have a database of candidates already there ready to go uh, or, or candidates that they're already speaking to about other positions that might be interested in this position as well. So you could get a quick turnaround, mm. um, obviously depending on the position and location, but, you know, there's, there's certainly uh, – an opportunity there to leverage a, uh, an agency's large candidate pool of, of candidates that could pick up the role. So um, I guess another reason you might want to use a recruiter is if the role is confidential. Um, Which is very common yeah. with our industries, once again, very incestuous. So Yeah, yeah. and if, if somebody's perhaps not performing and, and they're being um, performance managed, maybe they want to review their options to see what else might be out there. So. Um, that's another good opportunity there to to try and find some good talent without getting your name out there in the industry as as looking for uh, for somebody there. So yeah, and, and I think it also ties back to the challenge of regional areas as well. Um, obviously, recruiters can help just broaden that 
network a little bit more. It's very difficult if you're regional. You know, if you're in a small town, post an ad on one of the job boards, it's going to be difficult to find people because ultimately yeah. only people in that area are going to be looking on that yeah, job board. Yeah, or the local paper. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very localised and uh, a recruiter might, or a national recruiter would have a much larger reach for people who may want to relocate interstate or, or try something a bit different. So, yeah. So, yeah. So I guess what a why would you use a recruiter? What are some of the benefits? Um, I think the time one, if it's a very uh, urgent role for whatever reason, whether you've lost someone that's gone to a competitor and you need to replace that person in a peak period, um, recruiters, yeah, they've already got people in their network. Um, they might be talking to people already about another role for one of your competitors that someone might be good for to consider. Um, that's the obvious one. Um, and then obviously what I just mentioned before with uh, increasing your network, um, particularly for regional, just uh, yeah, you know, widening that net, I yeah. suppose, is the good analogy. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, there, there are a few negatives, I suppose, as well about using a, recruitive, a recruiter. Um, and, you know, the number one thing that comes up is cost. Uh, obviously using a, a permanent recruiter can be expensive, mm. but I guess there's reasons for those costs and, and you know, why they charge so much. And, you know, there's um, there's a good analogy, I guess, I've seen online with <laughs> uh, a guy who uh, has got a huge industrial engine uh, that's broken down and uh, they employ a guy to come out uh, and he comes and looks at the engine, he uh, looks it over and goes, oh, yep, I know what the problem is, pulls out his hammer, gives it a bit of a tap on the outside of the uh, the engine and starts working. And they're like, oh, my God, that's so great. Thank you so much for fixing it. Um, yeah, we've had tons of people come through here and no one could fix it before, yeah. but you just did it in 10 seconds. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he goes, yeah, no worries, no worries, and uh, writes him off an invoice for $10,000. And they're like, oh, $10,000, all you did was hit the engine with a hammer. Uh, you know, why are you charging... $10,000. Um, you know, surely that's like a half-hour job or something. So um, he goes, okay, no worries, and rewrites the invoice. Um, half-hour uh, hammer hitting on the engine, uh, $50. Uh, knowing where to hit, $9,950. So <laughs> it's, it's about knowing where to hit. You know, it's it's our experience and understanding the candidates and having them there. It was like, oh, yep, yeah, I'm not the exact person who could do this role and is keen to move to that location who could start tomorrow. You know, it's, it's mm. having that person ready. And, and we've invested, not just us, other recruiters in the industry as well, have invested time and money in getting the database to that point, the amount of money we spend on advertising and, and time uh, in interviewing all these candidates. Yeah. So whilst it might be a quick turnaround, you know, on some occasions and, and the cost might seem unwarranted, you know, we have invested sometimes in getting that to that point. So well, that's it. It's, it's not necessarily that role that you're getting the money for. It, it's everything that goes into it. It's all the roles that don't come off. Um, you know, we can run two campaigns parallel to each other at the exact same time, do the exact amount of work, and then for whatever reason, you know, one comes off and one doesn't. And, yeah. there's, and there's nothing that we've done that has changed that. It's just, um, you know, circumstances outside of our control or any recruiter's control. So mm. it's really you're getting paid for the, the big picture the, the whole yeah. everything. And, and I guess there's also the, uh, I guess, negative uh, ethics and, and uh, reputation of some recruiters as well. And, and I think some generalist recruiters as well probably don't understand the industry so they can leave a poor taste in a, mm. in an, in, um, a dealer's mouth, you know, about using recruiters because, oh, we went to, you know, a large generalist and they, you know, they only worked on it for a, a couple of weeks and then we never heard from them again. 
Uh, well, it's probably because they didn't have a database of candidates from the industry or know anything about it. So, you know, there, there are um, yeah, negatives to using large general agencies and I think, you know, having somebody that's a specialist is certainly uh, beneficial. And I think, yeah, on that note, the poor ethics around recruiters and, and that kind of negative attitude that's a lot of the time um, goes hand in hand when people talk about recruiters, it's completely warranted because we've seen it ourselves um, in different businesses that we've worked in or even just through competitors and that kind of thing. Um, there's a lot of people out there, particularly the generalists, that will give the big big sell, you know, we can help you, we've got this, we've got that, you know, this is how big our network is, but ultimately they've never recruited for a dealership before. Um, and so, you know, ultimately they're just placing the same ads that you could place yourself and, and just hoping to get lucky. Yeah, and they might get lucky, but... You know, most of the time, if they don't have that network, then you're really just paying them to to just try, basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I guess another thing as well is that uh, a recruiter is is great at being the middleman mm. um, and being able to keep both sides uh, engaged and um, updated throughout the process. So finding out where things are at and advising the candidate and really keeping both parties engaged in both the candidate the employer and the candidate and then the candidate and the employer. Yeah. Uh, we had a, a client gave us a great analogy one day, keeping them on the treadmill, yeah. which I think stuck <laughs> with has. all of us. Yep. So, you know, keeping keep keeping the uh, candidates so that they're uh, excited about the job is, is half our job, I think. Yeah. You know, so that they don't um, keep looking elsewhere um, because we understand it takes time uh, for the employer. Uh, so, you know, we've got to keep the candidates engaged. So that that's another Good reason, I think, uh, is, is getting those uh, both parties uh, communicating and being able to keep everybody updated. Yeah, and I think even from a candidate's perspective, the value that a recruiter can add is, um, you know, just getting that process to continue ticking along. Because um, yeah. a lot of the time recruitment's not the number one priority for a dealer, which is completely justified, but, you know, for us it is. And so we're going to make sure that it ticks along at the rate that it needs to um, and, and I suppose hold the hand of the company throughout that process and make sure that everything's getting, uh, getting ticked off nicely. Yeah. Well, I think that's uh, everything for this episode. So this has been episode two. Uh, so thank you for listening and we'll be back next week. We will. Uh, with another topic. So well, I believe we'll, Phil will be in next week. We'll join you then. Thank you for listening to another episode of Adding Fuel to the Hire. If you have any questions or you'd like to hear us talk about a particular topic, why not send us an email at podcast at addingfueltothehire.com. If you like what we do and would like to support our podcast, please leave a review on your podcasting app of choice. For further information, please visit our website, addingfueltothehire.com.